You're listening to Red Center, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, and welcome to this week's Red Center, episode number 55. I'm Mike Seymour, and... I'm Jason Wingrove. How are we? Actually, I think we're pretty good. A little bit hungover from going to a super cool rum nightclub last night. Fantastic. Which, um, I can heartily recommend it in Sydney. Rum Diaries you, in Bondi. If you want to have your rum uh, lightly uh, set alight with cinnamon and <laughs> vanilla thrown in it and uh, served into a second burning cauldron and then get plastered on what is some of the nicest food in Sydney, I highly recommend it. Excellent Nothing to do with food cameras, and but a 20-page rum menu. Yes. Uh, sensational. Yes. Thank you. That was awesome. Well, we, we are in a bit of a celebratory mood today, and I'm going to let Mr. Wingrove... <laughs> so much of a celebratory mood, none of us can actually say, say it. Yes, I'm going to let Mr. Wingrove kick off uh, the news this week. And now, the Red Setter News. Well, obviously, yeah, fresh off the press this morning is the uh, Oscars announcement, which is uh, some fantastic news uh, for Red and for, for some local um, bods. Starting with uh, the feature film nominated for Best Feature as part of the expanded as, We Can Now Vote for 10. As well as, yes, exactly, right. So uh, District 9 nominated for Best Picture. Good film. Uh, absolutely, fantastic film. Really like that film. Very, very clever. Uh, that's been nominated for Best Picture and uh, Writing, uh, Adapted Screenplay, Visual Effects, and what now should be renamed Best Film Editing. Um, perhaps they get around to change that category name. Okay. Uh, uh, so yeah, congrats to uh, director Neil Blomkamp and to Trent Opelok, uh, the DP, and to Mr. Peter Jackson for stumping up the cash and, uh, and for the guys from Halo for, the cameras, for not doing that film. <laughs> for the guys from Halo for not doing that film. So what? How did that borrow off the other one? I guess was there. I oh, know they're going to do Halo. Yeah, and that yeah. Fell through, and so they did this instead. Yeah, I mean, we had we had a bit of a gap. Yes. Excellent. But there's and some other news that we there be is fantastic because um, uh, the uh, nominated for best short film uh, is a little Australian project called Miracle Fish, which you're involved in, Mike. I was VFX supervisor on that, and uh, FX PhD uh, worked on it. And in fact, the material from it was in one of the FX PhD challenges. Um, and in fact, fantastic. it was our red. It was our red number twenty-two that shot it. Fantastic. Um, and uh, the guys are celebrating hard in Los Angeles as we record this. Um, the two nominees are Luke Doolan and uh, Drew Bailey. Now, Drew is the producer. Uh, Luke is the director. Luke actually, um, for those of you that know FX PhD's productions, we've worked on a bunch of stuff with Luke, though he used to be uh, in the capacity of editor, so films like uh, Spider and stuff like that. He uh, worked uh, at uh, Blue Tongue as the uh, editor. Right. Anyway, Drew... Um, and Luke decided to get together and make their own film, which uh, Luke directed. He um, Fantastic. approached us, and we were more than happy to jump on. The thing that's ironic about this, or... Yeah, bugger me talking. Let's cross to the guys now in Los Angeles celebrating their Oscar nomination. So I have Drew on the line from L.A. How are you feeling? Oh, mate, uh, ecstatic. You know, it's been... Uh been a pretty amazing 12 hours. Have you actually uh, had a chance to celebrate yet, or is it just a matter of uh, fielding phone calls like this? <laughs> it's fielding a lot of phone calls, although I did, I did pour myself my first celebratory drink uh, just a moment ago, but that is, you know, almost 13 hours after we found out, so it's been pretty, pretty hectic. So, um, 
Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of things to discuss. I'm not going to waste an enormous amount of your time now. I'll bug you sometime later. But just in terms of the nomination, you um, you obviously went well at Sundance and stuff, but how did you get in the running for the Oscar nomination? Yeah, look, I mean, Sundance was uh, an amazing experience and it certainly opened up you know, a world of doors to us. And this time last year, we were taking you know, similar meetings to the type of meetings we're taking now, and um, which is amazing you know you meet great producers financiers and uh, that sort of stuff who are interested in working with you which is great and you know here we are 12 months later with the same film just with a different award and you know the, the level of people you're meeting is similar but slightly higher up <laughs> which is great so um you shot it on the red obviously <laughs> yeah did... we shot on the red which was which was great i uh, i had a really really enjoyable experience with it and i love you know it was um the DP Brad Shield, it was his first uh, film shoot on the red. Um, so he did a bit of research before he went in. Um, we shot with uh, cine lenses, uh, which I think made uh, quite a bit of difference. I mean, I haven't shot anything with the red lenses so far, so I couldn't really comment on those. But um, I think the look was amazing, you know, and Brad worked quite closely with our, um, our data wrangler, who was quite proficient as well, um, you know, kind of grading everything between setups you know so whenever there was a lighting setup he'd be sitting in grading shots you know so that nothing was ever seen ungraded and we um we dealt with chaotic pictures in post who had a you know really smooth um pipeline in place now and i think if you can combine those things the red is uh, such a great format to shoot in you know and so economical compared to shooting film that it's ridiculous because there are some really filmic-looking shots, especially those hallway shots and stuff. Um, but also, I was yeah. out there the day we were shooting Steadicam and stuff, so it was uh, it was yeah. pretty flexible for you. Mm. Did you know we shot? You know, we've got a bunch of moving shots in the film, and and they were a combination of um, dolly and, and Steadicam. So, and we were you know chucking it between one and the other pretty quickly. So, what was the? Uh, how did you finish up the film? Because you shot a lot of it 4K. How did you actually finish the film? Um, basically because at the moment that's kind of the level that people people are using. You don't need much more. I mean, we got a DCP done of the film for the Academy Awards and um, and that's the level that they need. You know, the film was projected at, at 2K at, at uh, Sundance and it looked magnificent. It looked cleaner, crisper and sharper than any of the 35mm projected films. Um, and yeah, originally we were going to get, uh, I'm not sure how much detail you want me to go into, but Originally, we were going to get frame set match to grade the film for us, or grade the you know the digital file for us. But um, you know there were timing issues, and we had to get the film turned around very quickly for Sundance. And we were just lucky enough that um, the people that had done the post pipeline chaotic had just installed a, a DI suite. So uh, Brad was a bit dubious about who they were going to get to grade, but they got a really good grader in, and 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 there we there we went. But, uh, Turned out beautifully. Couldn't have been happier with the with the pictures overall. We actually met the guys from Red at Sundance, who were you know really taken with the film, and we've had a few discussions with them since. So it's been a good relationship for me, anyway. Yeah, no, I, um, I was in on some of those emails with Ted, and uh, yeah, it looked really good, and it does. It looks it looks terrific. Um, so look, congratulations. I'll let you guys go and celebrate, but we just did want to touch base and say uh, well done. All right, mate. Thanks so much. Thanks for the call, and thanks for your help as well. It's great. It's great to have you guys on board. Hey, no problem at all. See ya. Cheers, mate. Bye.
thanks Drew for taking the time that was awesome no doubt he's been absolutely slammed with uh, slammed with interviews because he's one of the few actually it's been a bit of a it's a bit of a uh, we don't have our um, uh, token usual uh, Australian actors uh, and I don't think anyone's really nominated this year we normally have you know like a Kate Blanchett or a um, a Russell Crowe whatever so yeah yeah or even a you know Mel Gibson that we claim or a or a yes any of the ones we, we yeah. pretend um, but I, w- I should point out that uh, that's just one of several films that obviously are in the category of best short film. We want to congratulate all those. Absolutely. But um, it's obviously of interest to this podcast. That one was shot uh, on the red. and Shot on the red. Interest to me personally because I worked on it. <laughs> and obviously obviously hey, District um, 9 shot on the red, why we first mentioned it. And uh, obviously Avatar shot on the fusion rigs and uh, F-23s and stuff. So, And we had last year where we had um, uh, Benjamin Button and... Uh, God, what was the other one that was digital? Um, uh, uh, Slumdog. So, yeah, so it's creeping in there. Um, yeah, so it's fantastic. The, the funny thing about Miracle Fish is that um, we actually shot it a while ago and it yes. was rushed, as you heard then, to get into Sundance, which was Sundance not this year but last year. So we were shooting that in October and then it got rushed to be finished to get into Sundance for '09. Yeah, because the deadline's not far off that, as we know. Yeah, yeah. And so John and I were in Sundance 08 with I Love Sarah Jane. This one yep. got in 09, but it, it actually went really well at Sundance. But it was actually one best live action short film at the Sydney Film Festival, which is in getting that Dendy Award. That's what got it in the running for right. the Oscars. And so then it gets submitted to the Academy, um, as you heard. But it's one of 70 films that are then up for best short film. But so you go through the, the process of having to win something to get in that 70. Yeah. From the 70, they pick the three nominees. So just to get nominated, and people say this, but really Out of 70, to get nominated. Absolutely. And no doubt some absolute crackers in there in that yeah. 70. So, um, so. yes. So hopefully um, we'll be doing some more stuff with the uh, with those guys. But also congratulations uh, to Nash and Joel Edgerton because it's their production company, Blue Tongue, that is the, uh, I guess, creative hub that has led to all of this filmmaking. And, uh, and we've tremendously enjoyed working with those guys and they're really really uh good and there's a a bunch of films that they've uh, worked on so excellent and to a mate of mine brad shield who actually shot that uh, who's the dp for that yeah and brad uh, as you heard um him say that uh, as drew said there i uh, hadn't shot with the red before this and mm. uh he did i think just a brilliant job but i mean he really i think approached it like 250d and it yeah. held up just remarkably well. You're talking, I mean, you're talking two years ago or so. This is, you know, it must be reasonably early build as well, really before. Yeah, I remember when we were here, um, actually in the offices, and, and he came in with uh, with Luke, and we were just talking about shooting on the red, whether it was possible or not. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, look, if you're going to have windows, they could blow out. And um, so that's an issue because you don't have to claim dynamic range. And we went through all that thing. And he was like, you know what? If they blow out, they blow out. I want it to look gritty and I like the blown out look. And yeah, yeah. He just okay. didn't. You know how you say, don't be scared of the darks? He wasn't scared of the whites. He wasn't scared of the highlights. So Fantastic. I, I think he's a great DOP. So I'm yeah, no, he's sensational. Shame sensational. they don't have a category for DOP of short film. Yeah. So what other news have we got? Okay, well, um, so Red Day, there'll be another Red Day uh, announced for Vegas 2010. So that's uh, actually, obviously, while NAB is on. So now wrap that I'll actually be there. There's Yes, there's a little bit of confusion um, there is a as little. to how that works. Let me just explain how uh-huh. it works. There is a Reducation Seminar going from the 8th to the 12th. And this is a five-day, full-on, hands-on training system. And that costs $2,500 uh, to attend. And you can register for that now. And that would be like an immersive red training reducation thing. That finishes on the 12th. There's a day break, 
and then there's on the 14th, which is the Wednesday, a red day in Vegas, also at the Tropicana, but not as part of the per se education program. And in addition to that, it's fairly likely, given the response we got on Twitter yesterday, that we'll do a Red Centre event on the Tuesday afternoon. And uh, Ted is even offering to pop along to that, and there's a bunch of surprises. So if that comes Fantastic. off, we'll be doing something in the South Hall on Tuesday afternoon, yep. uh, which is great because obviously that's the day that nothing else is on for Red. And then on Wednesday is um, uh, the, the Red Day. And um, I, I think the guys really do a great job in putting this it's effectively like a red user groupy kind of thing um yeah and uh yeah so we're very keen to support that and we're really glad we're going to be both in vegas and podcasting from nab and we're going to have a bunch of really good uh, interviews and stuff lined up definitely we'll definitely will obviously be in town so we're going to have a, a, a there'll be a lot of other people in town that we'll be able to collar and uh, get in front of get in front of the microphone and uh, be able to sort of hopefully come to i guess a a live red center which uh, it's just it's going to be fucking it's awesome great and for example one of the people we're lining up are the guys from canon because uh rumor has it mm-hmm. that there will be the uh 5d mark ii released in april the i thought you were going to say the five mark three mark. no 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 come on. i know you just, just bought a mark ii but yeah <laughs> so anyway the 5d mark ii's um firmware upgrade will be released at to running 24p which is exactly what you want right yeah and the idea is that will be released for april that's unconfirmed what is confirmed is that uh, we've been talking to the Canon guys and they're keen to come along and, uh, and do a piece with us. Um, so we won't just be covering Red, we'll be covering and, uh, and Genesis and everything else, but obviously... Um, and all the, other stuff that, all the other stuff we don't even know exists yet between now and April. Exactly, because I, be I have some big predictions on that front. Mm, okay. Uh-huh. Mm. Oh, all right. So... Um, so what else have we got uh, happening uh, okay. in related news? Uh, well, there was a new version of Red Cine X posted. I hardly even had a chance to really play with the last version before they updated it. I mean, well, I was one of those that had a major bug with the previous version. Yeah. I think, um, obviously, a bunch of us led to build 90, that being that it stopped working properly. So it was working with the uh, wave panel. Yep. And then you went to the interim build one that you said you didn't have time to play with. Yep. And that actually stopped updating on the screen when you were moving the knobs. And not all of them, but some of them. So what right. would happen is it was adjusting the numbers. Yep. Picture didn't change. Then you touched um, the trackballs and popped the, the, the picture updated. And so that bug was fixed, hence the quick release of uh, build 90. I'm sure there were some other things okay. as well, but it wasn't just us, but that was one of the things that... Uh, right. A couple of bugs that appeared in that previous build. But really it was... Almost a pre-beta build. So. so how was that working with the uh, the wave? I mean, was oh, it's it... magnificent. I mean, because obviously, essentially the wave is... Although it's got lots of knobs, but essentially it's just a really big, you know, trackball mouse that knows someone. You know, it's just it's just a whole bunch of USB interfaces, really. Yes, There's nothing... The, well, no, no, but here's the thing, right? It, it's, it's vastly different. I mean, I know it seems like that conceptually. It's just like a bloody great mouse, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's not because you've got the ability to use two hands to sure. operate. Yeah. And because the trackballs are in a fixed position relative to your desk, mm. you, can get, you can keep the eye on the screen. So just like on a Da Vinci desk, you can operate with Have two that hands simultaneously. Memory of, yeah, exactly. And so it is actually a more intuitive way to grade than a simple mouse experience. Yeah, rather than sort of you always have to look down and make sure your mouse has clicked on the right thing to mm-hmm. watch. And then yeah, you can you can't really easily jump from one function to another without actually. Yeah, so that's true. Because I mean, it's a really there's a couple of those really affordable panels around now. And if that's going to really start working, I borrowed it the other day your your wave and tried to make it work, but I needed the newer version of Final Cut Pro and all that. Sort stuff there was nothing really compatible with it so if that's gonna start playing the game with red cine x then that makes it a really viable there's a couple i'm trying to think of the other the other 
There's another one that's similarly priced because um, this is all... No, no just, just as I was talking, <laughs> Ted emailed us to point out that it wasn't just uh, um, the, the two films we mentioned. Right. Because there's a third film. I'm best, sure there is. Best Foreign Pick. Right. Which is El Secreto de Sal Objiso. Okay. Which was all shot on the red. And so he's just pointing out that that's a trifecta, a red trifecta in uh, foreign film... Uh, best feature nomination, and of course now um, uh, awesome. Sean. So I just thought to mention that. That's, I knew there'd be one. Not mention those guys because yeah. they deserve a mention. Uh, just absolutely. Our, thank you, Ted. For Sensational. Oh look, I'll find out a bit more about that one and put that in the show notes as well. Um, so okay, so that it's worth having a bit of an investigate with the um, you know the little grading panels. I think that's be fantastic. Oh, look, honestly, I think they're great, and I I would totally recommend them for anyone trying to do uh, mm. that kind of grading because mm. it is. One of those things, you know, like, um, how can I put it? You know, like on follow focus kits or something, there's an attachment or a bit that will allow you to do, you know, you could do manually, but it's kind of awkward and it doesn't flow right. That's yeah. what it is. It's not that the it in of itself makes for a better color grading experience, but it's that extra level of professionalism that allows you to more focus on the creative, less focus on the process and yeah. get better results. Because otherwise, it's just a whole bunch of parameters that you click Try one, try the other. And if you actually can put your hands on almost two or three at a time yep. and see how they work together rather than doing one particular specific controller at a time. And you're not moving your I eye guess. to watch a mouse to work yeah. out, am I over the right control? You mm. stay focused up on the material in front of you. So okay. I, I think it's really cool. Excellent. So that, that's that been implemented as well as mm-hmm. there is an absolute ton. I'll put them in the show notes again. There's a ton of stuff, not just bug fixes, but some extra stuff that's been added. Now, I really don't know much about software uh, you know, um, development, but you know clearly uh, things are happening pretty pretty quick in in redland there's a lot of lot of fixes a lot of additional stuff here in a very short amount of time so well i i think that at the late stages of something coming to be released a lot of stuff gets fixed and it's implemented or if something isn't working it's you know blacked out and i think it's that they're writing these things at a rate of like for people like me this software all becomes what you having got five different sort of little little apps to try and do the one thing you know, you get this Look, external control. I know controls. it's not about the money, but the, the thing that does it for me is everything we're talking about is free. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, like if we're talking True. about the latest release of DaVinci or something, and which would be great. <laughs> no, but it would. But, it, yeah. latest, but then you go, Freaking well, it's ridiculous. It's very expensive. It's not accessible to that many people. This yeah. is all stuff that's accessible to everybody because it's free. Yeah. And it's uh, and obviously also the simplification is happening in the camera end as well as we talked about the other episode of uh, a lot of the uh, the LUTs all being simplified and things. So th- the more this stuff gets streamlined, it's just fantastic. It just helps me get it a lot, get it across the line. Uh, you've been speaking, really, you've been really busy lately. Have you been shooting on red or been no, shooting on film? Not at all. <laughs> shooting on film. Um, so yeah, can I the ask last you a question? What, what are you shooting on? Like, is it Kodak or Fuji? And uh, Fuji, um, Fuji, bit of, bit of both. I'm really not the person that chooses the film stock. I know the last spot I shot, which was with Rob, <laughs> but I definitely know Fuji. Um, right. And actually, an interesting about a lens thing because I had a bit of um, the last two spots. Or last, actually, last yeah, the last two spots I shot, we actually just shot them on uh, probably Ari, Ari cams, uh, STs and LTs, uh, and but. More importantly, just just uh, Zeiss super speeds. I mean, these are like you know, probably fifteen, twenty year old bits of glass. You know, there's not not the Cook S fours, not you know all the sort of higher end 
big, massive. I, I was shooting utterly, on Nikon glass utterly, I was just yesterday. blown away. I was just watching, and, and it's weird because I mean, you know, every other shoot's probably this S4s or Ultra Primes or whatever, and I go and you look through and just yeah, it's nice. For some reason, there's just something that the just who was your just, DOP? Uh, the last one was Ross Emery. Before that was Frank Flick, and we. No, I, I just laugh because I don't really imagine a lot of shit that Ross Emery shoots looking bad. No, no, but it was interesting that that it, you know, there's obviously there's a lot of wank factor in those. I think I'm trying to remember where but it was. Not but from Ross. No, 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 sure, sure. But there's a, a lot of. Uh, I think there was. I'm trying to find where it was. There was a comparison a while back where someone lined up a like a red prime and a an S4 yeah. and just got like five 50mm lenses and just yeah. lined them all up and super speed and as I standard and you know before that you think oh I love Cook S4 it's just and I've said this before I'm sure a total total tosser like just there's something special about the way the S4s look or there's something special about and then really when you line them all up and you see all the in a row and you go well hey these are all fucking close there is nothing there is really yeah. nothing in here to justify the absolute gouging expense of a lot of, well, of some know, of these I remember when I was shitting with the first 18 to 50 red lens it mm. looked great and then we put on the cook sure. and there was an audible gasp from the room as they went mm. oh my god that just got better yeah but what What? so it was 18 to 50 zoom and what yeah. was the other one you put on well, that would have been a 50 prime. Right, <laughs> yeah, wide open. <laughs> but... And I've had this, yeah, no, I'm just, yeah, it was all yes, wide okay. open, wide open, 1.3, mm. and those, those that, that was, but they were all, this, the lens tests I saw compared them all on the same aperture, right? Well, I'm still and ha- there was very, very, very little difference. Oh, absolutely. Too right. That's a completely, completely different yes. uh, thing. Absolutely. Bring them on. Um, uh, anyway, so yeah, with sure, all of this stuff and Red Cine X, and it's all helping make things this thing simpler and get make the decision for, for you know for me trying to suggest red or get it across the line a lot easier. So to that point, the next thing that's going to make getting freaking red you know on on the gear list a lot easier to do is uh, the MX the Mysterium X sensor because we're starting to see a lot of stuff come through now that yes. and it's going to just silence. You know, science a lot. Well, of, it's a just lot the next stuff. progression. Yeah. Well, yeah, but but it's you know to that point of you know blown out windows and oh we've got to be careful of windows and we've got to be careful of this and you know what about all the noise and you know we can't shoot low light and it's terrible you know how good is it against green screen and all that sort of stuff. A lot of these uh, you know a lot of this stuff is you know being ironed out and the the, the arguments against are slowly diminishing. Um, so obviously, what we have first of all that we've seen is the red MX reel. Uh, which is uh, looking fantastic. That's like the um, um, the um, you know sports cars. Uh, those awesome downhill skateboarders. Uh, some fantastic uh, Lamborghini at the Revention. Um, also rigs. I think the sunset. definition is some hard stuff. Some hard stuff. <laughs> some well well hard stuff. Um, Fantastic, and then obviously uh, what we also saw um, come um, come out has been some fantastic uh, footage. I saw, or we saw from uh, from off Hollywood, who uh, I think they've essentially they've got the first two cameras to be modified. Is that right? They are the sort of testing bench for getting the cameras sent in, modded over to MX and out again. Yeah. Um, 
And so, look, you know, you can obviously, I think, trust stuff that Red is publishing because we've got a reputation of not, you know, being dicks and faking anything. So I trust Red. But nonetheless, it is nice to have someone outside the Red family getting a camera and just having a play with it um, free of any kind of uh, suggestion of anything. You know, you might say that the off-Hollywood guys are mates of Red, but I think they're only mates of Red because because the camera looks so good. And um, and this is particularly the case with this. Actually, did you notice well, um, that the off-Hollywood guys, sorry, are featured in uh, the new issue of American Cinematographer? I did. I just noticed that this morning. That's another thing. We'll get on to that in, in, in a bit. But um, I just... Um, well, I mean, what was great with the off-Hollywood uh, uh, video was they literally just got it modified, pick up the camera, chuck it on the, sh- on the shoulder... And just, you know, take the subway. I love the fact that they did the subway. Had to do a subway. Subway video, straight yeah, out of the absolutely. game. Absolutely. Available light, you know. I mean, the the red reel is fantastic because it's... It, it, I mean, it is quite... Um, a lot of it is, uh, you know, um, quite... Uh, what's the word? I suppose there... It, it's got a lot of a studio stuff, quite set up. Um, and, you know, there's a lot... It's, it's quite studied. But the... Uh, uh, off Hollywood guys just literally just grabbed it in hand, just went street walking, jumped in cars, down the subway, well, just literally both, red right? raw, just literally nothing, no, no artificial, no. You need to you see know. both though. You need to see. You definitely need what to you see. Can do under really absolutely. Good conditions. No, no, and absolutely. No, um, and what's obviously clear with both is that you can literally just go into virtually no light conditions and get some fantastic results. What I'd love to see, and what hopefully we'll see, I really want to see. Because um, I haven't shot an awful lot of low light stuff with the red, so I mean this looks great, but I'd love to see a side by side, you know, Mysterium and that. Mysterium X bolted side by side, and what what's the maximum you can get out of the old sensor, and what are we what are we now seeing? On Thursday the 11th, if yep. you're in Sydney mm-hmm. uh, at the ACS event, I'm going to be turning up, hopefully with an MX and doing exactly that. Excellent, but um. But getting back to uh, Off Hollywood, um, because the Off Hollywood guys um, did... Well, do you want to discuss the American Cinematographer, Alec? Uh, keep going with this. We'll, we'll definitely go to that. Because the, the Off Hollywood guys, I think, are just really great guys. We've had them on the show before. Um, terrific guys. We contacted them because I was just really keen to basically have a chat with them and discover uh, what they thought it was like firsthand. But also, for me, Jace, it's, uh, it's not just the technical stuff. It's also, does the thing actually crash a lot? Does it, is it yeah. reliable? Is there anything that I don't know about that you may not... What, what is it I don't know? So, Mark, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. So, that uh, that uh, sensor seems to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you're talking about the new MX upgrade for uh, for the Red One. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're 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 just totally totally thrilled and stunned, actually. Um, and we just we've got the cameras about a week now, um, and we continue to test some new builds um, that Red is releasing, but uh, it's. It's basically like, you know, so far in our testing, we feel like it's whatever your tolerance was for noise on the red one, you now have two more stops before you're hitting that same noise. So let's just, so in um, other words, let's just set that up for people, though, before they, just so we can be really clear about it, because I'm, I'm being slightly flippant. I mean, obviously, uh, Epic is coming along, but this is a sensor upgrade that in every other respect means that your red one looks the same from the outside, doesn't it? 
That's correct. Yeah, so it's basically like if I had an MX uh, sensor in there, uh, everything else, peripherals, uh, lensing, everything else is pretty much the same. The only difference is that, or it's a big difference, is that the sensor actually has increased sensitivity and actually uh, has the capability, I presume, of going to a higher resolution, though that's not supported in, in the RED1 MX build. Is that right? Correct. So, which is a limitation of the boards in the red camera. So, um, you're getting all of the same exact resolutions, and as far as I can see so far, all of the same frame rates as the red one. So, it's really all about um, the noise floor in the sensor and being able to rate the ISO significantly higher. Now, I guess the critical question is for you personally: uh, What were you rating the red one at before? Well, when you say personally, <laughs> uh, we, you know, we rent cameras to all types of clients, from low-budget independent filmmakers to ASC cinematographers. We, we, we see the, the, the more experienced DPs seem to end up in that 250 range. Yeah, I mean, which, I, I, I used to say to people, if you rate it as 250D, like a Kodak 250D, you pretty much feel good and know where you are. Right, exactly. So, 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 and some of the best-looking stuff we've seen from narrative feature work, um, you know, which is always a combination of, of course, production design and lighting and every other element that goes together to make a movie look great, um, is typically rated at, at 250. Um, but I, I would use the analogy of saying, if you looked at the 320 on the Red One in low light and and saw X percentage of noise. You can now go pretty much, in my opinion, almost two stops, um, uh, two stops down before you're having that same amount of noise. So now, if the if I mean, increased latitude is a huge aspect, and in, in fact, we had a uh, a panel of very professional DOPs here in Sydney, and I asked the panel what they'd most wanted to see out of a, a camera if there was a new one announced tomorrow, and every single one of them said increased dynamic range. Um, so obviously responsiveness, dynamic range, uh, and and the sensors' capabilities are incredibly important. But if I can, I wanted to ask you about its response to light in terms of its bias to daylight and the, the characteristics that we're used to out of the original Mysterium sensor. Because I got to know, you know, where I liked that in terms of its light uh, responsiveness. Does it feel like this also loves daylight the way that the Mysterium original liked daylight in terms of light balance? You know, I, I don't. I hesitate. I hesitate to answer that officially since we're sort of still really testing. My, in terms of what I've personally seen, I, I'm just responding to the fact of how much better the tungsten looks. Right. So, so I haven't done enough side by side. I mean, the one thing I haven't done yet, which I'm just curious to do, is take the camera out in, in screaming sunlight and rate it at a hundred, and and look at what that does. Um, there's also some, so, so I don't really know if I can accurately answer that because I haven't looked at enough stuff or shot enough stuff to definitively answer that, but I will say tungsten stuff looks much better. And I'm not sure if that's a result of or a combination of Graham's new work with the color science or the sensor or a combination thereof, which it probably is. So when you have been... Uh testing the camera you've been doing some initial stuff that i've already seen in in low light you published that on uh, on red user um yep. i'm wondering whether or not uh you feel like 
the ability to uh, actually push it in post because it seems to me it's not only is the sensor better but when you're actually lifting the floor you're really not revealing a lot of ugliness that's hidden in a yep. kind of a crushed black yep so I, you, I, I completely agree yeah no we're we're really excited about 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 it in post as well because I mean, you know we're just seeing separate from red city x they're you know we're waiting for you know the new build of scratch which supports it etc so i can't do all the things i want to do yet with the footage um but that's imminent yeah um, absolutely i mean this is all sort of cloaked in the uh first impressions of a chip that is just about to be released but still really in in kind of a beta stage but having yeah, said that, that it is terribly exciting to kind of get first impressions yeah i'd love to also just just point out a couple things that are in the the build of the software that we have now some changes that are kind of interesting um and again it's it's a bit of a moving target although i'm not sure i know that the, your camera's already at red i assume right i think there's a yeah. good number of cameras there. so i'm not i'm unclear whether or not some have actually headed back out into the wild yet or not um but what they've done in the one of the things that's really cool i think they've done in the camera is they've added something that has now been named exposure an exposure check. At, at Red Day, they showed something called Raw Check, which is a different type of false color meter with only two colors, one for clipping the highlights of the sensor, which is a red color, and one for clipping um, or you know, not enough light hitting the sensor, which is like a, a purple color. So this is now in the build that I have uh, now that we're testing has been renamed Exposure, and it is... Um, a much more is so far so far we it, oh boy sorry so far it appears to be a much more accurate way to tell if the sensor if you're clipping the sensor or not like a much more accurate than going to raw check and looking at the histogram which is a really popular way of doing it so much so that i i wonder if they won't just drop the raw view altogether i have to say though i'm and this, I guess, is an, a major aside, but I'm I'm a little nervous about getting too obsessive about the clip because if you've got a reasonably exposed piece of sort of imagery that's happening in front of you, a drama, whatever, and there happens to be something that hits the clip, just happens, not it's all whiting out or anything. I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world because um, the red does handle going into the clip relatively elegantly as opposed to some cameras. So I've I've often I've often been of the school that you know it's not the worst thing in the world if uh, you have some bright bright pinging highlights on a car shot and they are, are hitting the clip. I guess what's been more of concern to me is that uh, you've got a faithful path through the chain from what you're seeing in the camera to what you're handing over to post to what you're able to grade, and that that path doesn't kind of. Um, clip in the sense that it doesn't artificially introduce uh, limits on what you'd be able to grade it to. And it seems like this new colour science is, is even uh, moved further towards giving us a pipeline that we expect will give us that kind of flexibility. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I think I was more commenting to, towards those situations where you're really fighting, you're really fighting the bottom or the top, and you yeah. want, you know, and, and I think like anything people work with it and find their way they find how their brain likes to work with or without a light meter with or without whatever tools they use on the red 
to judge exposures. But, you know, for, for me, um, I, I'm very excited about this. It's just an easy way for me to know if I'm really fighting the highlights or fighting the bottom. It's for me to know, hey, where, where am I? And, of course, it's fine to clip. You can clip on purpose all the time. Um, and the roll-off on the red, you know, is very film-like. And I think that's the other comment I, I, I wanted to make about the grain, the noise as well, is that, of course, there's noise when you underexpose the footage. And, of course, the, the MX walk footage that we posted online, when you look at the 1080p or the 2K version, you'll see some more noise. But it, it's pretty, in my opinion, amazing how, how unobjectionable the noise is and how, and how smooth it is. It really does almost look like film grain. And it, you know, we did a couple quick tests with the furnace plug-in and with the neat video plug-in, and it, it, you can just eliminate it so easily if, if you wanted to shoot very or, or had to shoot very underexposed material. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's, and I'm, I'm sure you'd agree with me here. There's, there's actually a couple of those areas with the red camera that people can get a little. Um, to focus on. I mean, I, I would say in the same camp as uh, being massively obsessive about never clipping or being equally frightened to death of even the slightest amount of noise when it can actually look almost filmic is, is the same problem with people that, uh, that you know, approach the camera and say, well, it's not absolutely 4K resolution because I can't get a 4K chart to resolve. And, and my right. attitude is on all those things, you are, it's like a, an academic argument because, quite frankly... Uh, the sort of artifacts I don't want to see are things like the uh, almost MPEG or JPEG kind of blocky breakup stuff that I would Correct. see on a yep. 7D when pushed with high-frequency, uh, high-contrast stuff. And that's, that is objectionable, looks like it's low-rent, and, uh, and is like unrecoverable. Banding, banding or blocking yeah. or, or, or vertical lines, you know, from, or, or, or a clear sensor pattern. But we're not seeing... You know, we're not seeing any of that. So. Yeah, and so if you do have a very low-light, uh, gritty story that takes the streets of New York and there's some small amount of uh, what you might call noise but might also be read as very similar to film crane, it, it isn't probably the cardinal sin that's going to cause the audience to leave the narrative and sort of bring themselves out of the film. And and uh, but so that's why I was going to I was going to which you've already answered I guess I was going to say is that it's what I'm looking for. I'm glad to hear that you're saying there aren't any of is uh, objectionable artifacts. In other words, that kind of ringing or um, chromatic aberration that you get around the highlights, the stuff that really does scream at what I'd call a video um, look. Yeah, no, I mean it's you know we were already very very happy with with the red, and now we're we're extremely excited, and you know so much so that. There's so many situations we get into, you know, in tests and on feature films where it's, it's just that extra stop or that extra two stops. It's why people will go to a Master Prime or even go to Zeiss Super Speeds, you know, overcook S4s just because they need, you know, to get as much light to that sensor as possible. Um, well, especially if you're going off speed. I mean, that's where I really, really seek yep. it a lot because I love, you know, using the higher frame rates on the, the red, but uh, it can really cut down your light. I mean, we'll do, obviously, continue to do a lot of testing. I, my gut, based on what I've seen, is we would probably rate the camera 500 all day long and, and you know, and or 800. But, you know, why not be in that sort of very tight or sweet spot if, you know, most lighting, a lot of people shoot film at, at 500. So, you know, lighting is very used to mm. that, unless you're in a, you know, an environment that... Uh, 
you know, but again, you know, in our little MX walk video, we, we rated the things at 1600, and just ran around and pointed and shot, you know, and, and we didn't, I kept looking at the LCD. I think I wrote that on my red user post. We kept looking at the LCD thinking, well, this is going to look, this is going to look <laughs> like hell when we get back to off Hollywood, because, you know, we just thought it was some hocus pocus in the camera, you know, gaining, gain boosting that image way up. We couldn't believe that that little light, you know, was, was looking like that. And, you know, there's shots where we're just inside the car with like zero light in the car and just, just the light coming into the windshield. And it, it's still passable and, and a usable shot. You yeah, know, absolutely. Little, little, so and that, it's just really exciting. I've been in so many of those situations now that we're doing more stuff in 3D. You know, you lose close to a stop on the beam splitter. And there's many times where it's just like, oh, if I could just have one more stop, you know. Yeah, and, and so so that's really exciting for us. Yeah, I mean, high speed uh, stereoscopy with uh, with uh, mirrors is obviously going to cut down on the light. Hey, um, I was going to ask you a question just in a sort of a general term. Obviously, you haven't had a definitive test period. You just started playing with it, but so far, has the camera been as reliable as it used to be? Is there any sort of yes, hundred percent. Which is, 100%. which is good news because obviously all cameras uh, have some issues um, and RED is certainly not uh, free of having some issues. But if I was uh, somebody putting my RED camera in, I guess the question would be, uh, I would be certainly be thinking if I was uh, renting, would I have to get this camera back and then sort of sit on it for a month to make sure that it was stable or is it likely to be stable when it comes back? And if you've already got a fairly stable setup, that's a good indicator that maybe... Yeah, I mean, we, we sent one out today. We're doing some behind-the-scenes B-roll of uh, this We Are the World remake for Haiti Fund Relief that they're doing at the Grammys. And the producers are here in New York. There's producers in L.A. and producers in New York. So we've donated. You know, we're going to do all the posts for the project gratis. It's for a charity, obviously. And and um, so we sent we sent a shooter out with a camera, and they, they shot all day, just came back with something like 450 gigs of media and no issues. So... So we're you know we're putting it in the field and and trying trying to break it and so far so good so. I mean that's excellent. I, I don't know when the the red one first came out, we definitely did not rent it for I think eight weeks or something because we just wanted to. Because uh, back then we, we didn't even have a, an EVF on it, so it was a little hard. A good but, old build six. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But it would be nice if uh, if people, when they did their MX upgrades, felt that uh, once they got back and got used to it, that uh, that it would be able to go back into their kind of production cycles and uh, and earn money for them. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think folks like you and I and, and the other early adopters know, you know, it's you can see that learning curve with Red. You can see how good it's getting, and it's it's not like it was before. It it's it's getting really tight and. You know, of course, I was hoping I would already have the tattoo epic in my hands, you know, in January. And and um, and so at first I was kind of like, well, at least we're getting the MX upgrade. You know, that'll hold us off or keep things exciting. And, and it is. But I, something kind of occurred to me at Red Day where I thought to myself, the epic program is just going to completely benefit from this mm. because they're they're – working so hard on the sensor and the firmware related to the sensor. So there's a lot of, I think, you know, I suspect there's a lot of work that's getting done now that, that completely benefits Epic. Yeah, I must admit, from a personal point of view, my initial reaction on the MX upgrade was, well, do I really need it? I'm obviously going to go to the tattoo. Um, will I really want to use the red one when, when we've got, uh, obviously, Scarlet's even beyond that? And yet, 
once I started seeing the uh, the improved responsiveness of the chip and just the cleanliness or the clean signal response from the chip, it was a no-brainer. It just seemed like a terrific opportunity to get extra life out of that red one. Yeah, and 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 we had gone back and forth on whether we were going to keep our reds, you, you know. And when he and that, when Jim announced the the sort of breakdown of the stages, um, as far as I know, right? If if you are invited into the tattoo program you're keeping your camera anyway right <laughs> take that opportunity away from you so. <laughs> right, so, so so we're keeping our you know at least whatever one if not hopefully two of our reds uh we'll be keeping um but yeah i mean i listen i i had the sort of same all of those arguments that i thought about in my mind now that i have these cameras and i'm seeing the footage are gone it's it's really fantastic to have this kind of range and I, it's such I honestly think if somebody's interested in the rental market or just operating um, in that production environment, then having a red one with an MX sensor is a terrific backup camera when Epic first does hit the market because, you know, at least they have the same sensors. Obviously, won't have quite the same options, but it would be a terrific second camera when Absolutely. producers sometimes require a second camera to be sitting in a case off to one side on a shoot. Right, and of course, at the price point, I, I mean, one would assume that an MX red one is going to rent for, you know, substantially less, definitely less than an Epic, just based on what it costs, you know, for someone to ROI an Epic. So, you know, if you're in those situations, which we see often where it's a two-camera movie, but they want a backup body, but they mm. might want to send that body down the street to pop off some exteriors or whatever, you know, it can be, it just can become another financial option for the producer that instead of fighting to find three epics, they rent two epics and a red one with an MX sensor. Yeah, and if you were doing some uh, green screen work or second unit work, uh, obviously perhaps less uh, m mobility issues because it's less likely to be sort of handheld and stuff, then the red one with an MX is going to be a terrific option for second unit because they don't mind it being slightly bulkier and they, they're going to get that clean signal that they want. Yep, Absolutely. Well, look, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. Yeah, my um, pleasure. And we really appreciate getting that uh, early insight into the camera. Um, and thanks also for the generosity in just in posting that footage. Everyone was really keen because, you know, we, we obviously trust the guys at Red, but it's always great when someone outside the uh, immediate family uh, grabs the camera and takes it around in the, in the streets. Yeah, it's, our, it's you know, we try to do as much of it as we can on top of everything else, but it's, you know, it's, it's what we do. We try to play with the stuff, and it's a lot of fun. So it's totally our pleasure. So. Well, again, thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Well, thanks, Mark. That was fantastic. That was really, really great. So I wanted to flag... Um, I thought the guys had some really interesting stuff to say. There was a... I'm just going to quote a bit from it um, that uh, this is in the... Um, is it the February issue? Yeah, February, February issue. issue of American yep. Cinematographer. Um, technology democratizes services, they, they were saying. Mark and I started off Hollywood. We talked about how technology would uh, merge production and post-production. To compete, you need to offer more value. And I think one of our core strengths is being on the very bleeding edge. But um, they've, they've expanded recently. Jim's joined them, a good friend of ours from um, Twitter yep. and around the traps. But um, my point is that that idea of uh, merging of production and post-production and then because they've done 3D stuff, which, of course, is even more where you need to have a, a really clear understanding of production and post-production to get through the game. But they started, you know, as this super indie... I don't think they've lost that spirit, even though they're, like, hiring more people. Um, and uh, I think Robbie's joined them and, and a couple of other people yeah. um, as colorists. But my point is they, they're staying with that philosophy, but that nimbleness you get from doing this, that there's sort of, I think, now a place for this hardcore specialist guerrilla hardcore unit 
that can help you with everything. And then, of course, you want the bigger facilities where you have the ability to, to handle vast volume. Sure. Like a, you know, Photochem, you know, handles massive yeah. amounts of processing overnight. Sure. But no doubt, the Photochem side of things is shrinking down. There's going to be this meeting in the middle that... that well, no, so, so Photochem is... So I did a thing for them for education. Photochem has actually got a really good digital unit um, where they act like a digital lab. This is exactly what we need in this country. Oh, yeah. Well, these guys are just, have just got it nailed. So what happens yeah. is it, you, they check your rushes. Yep. They act like a vault. Yep. They can process enormous amounts of stuff really, really quickly. Yep. Because, you know, um, we were talking on uh, the Lord of the Rings VFX show uh, back on Lord of the Rings days when they were doing um, the first one. They had like hours of rushes a day mm. um, and obviously kept a team of people busy. But if you are shooting a major feature, that's what you're up against. You're up against hours of rushes a day. And so you need a major facility like a photochem or whatever. Yeah. Um, but by the same token, if you are somebody that wants to, you know, beat the odds and produce a film and have very, very high quality, but you need to be thinking smarter, grunt at it. Yeah. I mean, it's the off Hollywoods that have the edge. Yeah. I mean, this is something, that whole digital lab thing is something that I've been banging on to everybody, anybody who'll listen, and probably some people who weren't really listening um, for ages, that literally we have to have something. I mean, as I say, I'm sure it's still the case in the States that it's photochem thing is more of a rarity than the actual, um, than reality. Um, We definitely need something that completely replaces, and then some, the, the, the old lab. It needs to be somewhere that's, you know, drop off your cards or your drives that night. It gets processed, it gets rendered, it gets prepped, and it gets put on a drive, all binned and everything, so it's all ready for an editor to start work or start syn- an assistant to start syncing the next day. Literally, a drive gets delivered to them first thing in the morning. Yep. Because obviously, part of the pain, as I say, I keep crapping on about this, but getting getting read, approved getting read on a shoot getting read you know uh, on a gig is often just blocked by people say oh well read you know we don't have the schedule for that you know it's going to take twice as long or twice as expensive for us to you know to shoot with it so if we can get people and i'm having i'm having lunch with the post house tomorrow about this to see if we can get this stuff sorted because like drew was saying that they only survived because they were able to move quickly because it was all read and because it was easier than that but of course Hopefully, because sure. we contributed. <laughs> they found the post pretty simple and they knew what they were doing when they went in. Yeah, yeah. Hey, did you read the other article, though, in that same February uh, issue of American Cinematographer um, by, I think it's Christopher Prost. It's um, working with The Red. It's uh, basically uh, the uh, American Cinematographer's tech editor. It's a really red-heavy um, issue and it's fantastic. What I've actually just a sidestep I subscribe online mm-hmm. did you do that Mark? I do both yeah I don't I have the printed stuff anymore although it would be really really nice but it is <laughs> over the, this end of the world it's freaking expensive to get to get American cinematographers so the online thing it's is fantastic it's really cheap and it just comes you literally get the link the day you know the day the calendar turns to the next month and you've got it on your computer you can save it and it's just sensational anyway uh, yeah it's a very red heavy um uh, there's a real in-depth, uh, a lot of posts talking about, you know, not just commercials, but uh, features, music videos, just a lot of people's impressions on working with Red. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's, apart from anything, it's actually amazing that for, at last the American cinematographer is actually acknowledging that even Red exists. It's been, you know, a little bit of, 
you know, the odd little moment here and there. Uh, but there was we we were in the yeah. we were in the madmen issue a couple of issues back. We had five six pages on that was all on red. Only, that's not long ago either. <laughs> okay, well, but you know, red's been around for a little while, and it's basically just been like red. No, oh, we don't know what red but is. But this article was response to the sort of survey. I don't know how they did the survey of readers that said they wanted to hear more about the red camera. Okay, interesting. That's oh, well, that's great. About. Well, that's great. Look, I mean, obviously, nothing. You don't doesn't have. Nothing. It doesn't all have to be about red. It's fantastic. It just recognised for for a change. I think we need to move through the way it gets, the way it's going. I think we need to move through the phase that the ads are still. Some of the ads are in because some of the ads are like, you know, I didn't cheat on my wife and I'm not going to cheat on film. And I'm like, you know what? Just get over it. Yeah, we know. I, I, look, I personally think that look, I, you know, I love I, I love film. It's beautiful. I've been staring at the rushes and stuff all all week, and it's fantastic. But you know, it's it's you know all of those kinds of ads are based upon that you know admittedly aren't all that much out of date but they are out of date you know it's starting I mean, there's, to a, there's a full page ad in this one from kodak literally saying is digital capture really faster cheaper better not in my experience yeah but now then skip forward to the new products and services right we've got yes i know sony updates the hdsr our cam the IDX, uh, this new KD Red Rig, uh, a piece, a product that I'm I'm reviewing today, a, a Crozier Red Map Box, a uh, Aja does an iPhone app. You know, things are moving on. This is this is not this is not your great. I, look, I really love, love it. The three I'm, great magazines uh, that I read. Absolutely, that and Cineffect just slobber over them for years. It's just it's, um, it's fantastic that um, that it, that it's recognised. It's a, it's a good red heavy. Um, so they made some assertions in that story that were then responded to by uh, Graham Naturis. Yeah. Now, Graham doesn't argue, I think it's probably the right way to put it, he really just basically says, well, you've raised some points, I'd like to address those points. And uh, he then basically goes through some of the points, for example, the boot up time of yeah, the red. It absolutely. says it's 90 seconds and it'll be the, 90, the longest 90 seconds of your life. And... You know, yep. to which Graham says, "Yep, you're right. Yep, that's why making it faster and epic." Yeah, that's right. That's epic. Um, but totally agree. There are some other points that I heavily um, agreed with Graham needed. Um, you know, red would only be 4K if it was black and white. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is the whole kind of Bayer pattern thing? Well, yeah, and really, uh, this obsession with whether or not you can get actually 4K on a res chart when mm. when most films are projected 2K, and it, it just isn't about that. And it isn't about red lying because obviously the sensor is um, is a 4K sensor. It's just, you know, I think he actually says in his response, like how many other cameras have this much stuff published yeah. about them and are people this critical? Yeah. But it's because there are so many cameras out there that are so widely distributed. It's so easy for people to... But um, that really is just king. You know, that is really it is. just circle joking to going on about, you know, the bad It's not true 4K. Look, come on. It, it, how how much more huge of a sensor is it than 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 um, Genesis or F twenty threes or any of that sort of stuff? Or okay. how much better is it that it's not uh, binning or throwing lines away like a Canon does to get down to ninety twenty three? Look, sure. as you heard me Take say in that. that interview with uh, Mark, I think that there are a few things that people can obsess about. That is not a lot to do with cinematography and a lot to do with just as you say technical wanking. One of them, oh, well, you heard me say, over, yeah, you know. Um, but look, at the end of the day. Uh, you get both sides of the story, and Graham's one is published on Red User. We'll put a link in the show notes. 
Look, yeah, um, absolutely. We're not poo-pooing either side. It's fantastic that Red's done this, and this is a great reply as well from Graham. As he says in his very first line, good constructive criticism, is, it's worth its weight in gold. Uh, it's fantastic. It's good that, uh, you know, at least the discussion's out there and that actually, you know, the, a- the ASC is, um, you know, bring it, is, is moved on. It's brilliant. Look, I've got to tell you, the, the, uh, you, I think you mean the AC. AC. The ASC uh, being the um, Australian Cinematographer no, that's Society. that's the ACS. All right, uh, American Cinematographer Society. AC. I, I like the AC, and I think they've, you oh. know, with a particular article, it's a discussion, it's not hysterical. And, yeah. you know, there are some uh, good projects. Um, mm. Book of Eli, I think they've got some uh, shots in there from Book of Eli. Yeah, is that coming out? I mean, it's out in the States, isn't it? But it's not yeah, It's here yet. Because I'm, I'm very keen to see it. Yes, yeah, so a lot uh, of interesting stuff. Mm. And, you know, shots of semi-naked Lady Gaga, you know. Sure, yeah. Subscribe. Lady, Lady Gaga, the Madonna of their generation. Um, <laughs> so. Like a virgin, but just so not. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Ah, thank you. Okay. Um, Our price of the bar will be here all week. Uh, okay. Well, what else? Well, gear. I think that's it. Because gear. Uh, you just touched on it then. I will be, yeah, I will be geeking out with some other, some DSLR gear, hopefully soon when all my... Um, for those of you that haven't caught up with Jason's Twitter, he's just recently uh, put the money down on an entire kit of uh, SLR stuff. The hardest thing was choosing the lenses. Really was what absolutely torture. Because I, I, I did it, I did it. And did thank, you everybody, thank you to everybody who responded because I was sort of, you know, finding out what are your three desert island lenses? What's the three what that you, you can't... I picked uh, 16-35, to 8, yep. L, uh, 51.2. Mm. 85 1.8 not the 1.2 it's okay. interesting I thought I had read a lot of reviews of the 85 1.8 which is a really actually really really nice lens uh, the um, I thought there were only allowed to be three did your lovely wife oh no 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 it was just no 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 oh okay no, so I was just asking what everybody else's three, three was that doesn't mean I was limited how many to three. have you got uh, I, I think I got four the, and the 70 to 200 the uh, not the Mark II because that's not out for another month or so, and will be about five or six hundred. The seventy to two hundred, the thirty. You got the you got the thirty-five one point four. Yes, uh, 1. fifty. 4. The uh, hundred and the well, so I, I really like shooting with a twenty as well. So I've got the twenty, the thirty-five, the fifty. Mm. You can notice which end of the spectrum I tend to shoot on. Um, yeah, but I also have the hundred. But the seventy to two hundred is is a. Actually, I call that my um, my kids. Um, <laughs> kids lens because i'm always using that long lens to get candid shots of the kids which um your kids well because yeah, yeah my Just wife checking. loves me because i take photos of our kids that yeah are, no ab- look at, that is fantastic look great. I, absolutely look i mean uh, but and i but i was agonizing about a lot of i mean the 24 to 72 8 was extremely popular everyone said that was fantastic lens grab that but i just can't i'm going to the 5d the mark 5d versus 7d because i want the actual depth i'm doing this as a sort of uh, uh, uh well um, your 50 will do that at uh, 1.2 a, 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 a Bokaki um, exercise that I've, I will say this. So I, actually, I went fast, fast I, and primes I, for that middle that's bit. Like, that's exactly for what I was that middle say. section. Fast and primes is you know, the way to go. Down the other end, you know, you're you're tight and you sort of can't. You know, it's a little bit harder to sort of pick whether you're on two eight or or one or one eight or one four. And there's not so much fast glass down that end anyway, faster than one point eight. So uh, definitely, I mean, I've, my thought was on the tight end, go zooms because. It's a lot harder to walk, you know, to do a reframe from 50 feet away to 200 200 feet away. 70-200 is just a killer lens. And on the wide end, go zooms just 
just because because on your, well, you're wide and you that's can't the only really thing pick I the depth. Done. I haven't gone wide on the. Um, I don't have a zoom up the wide end. I just go uh, primes. But you know the other thing is just literally I find it easy to carry three primes in my backpack because um, I've had one of those backpacks. Actually, got a new one, but uh, one of those ones that has my laptop in the back and then camera down the bottom and three lenses. Right. And I can always, therefore, have an SLR with me when I'm travelling. Right. Or even when I'm walking around, to tell you the truth. Hey, um, I was going to say something else, uh, which was... And also, I obviously pro- also got lenses that you didn't have so that we could sort of... No, no, by all means. Co-chair get, get kind of thing. as you many can, lenses as you like. You can I'm a bit of swap seas. Yeah, you can borrow my lenses anytime you like, man. Absolutely. Hey, um, now I was going to say, I use these Nikon lenses for this red shoot uh, during the week. Right. Um, with the new, uh, God, I can't get the name of the mount, but it's a mount that basically looks like a, like a PL mount in the sense you put the Nikon glass in on the red. Right. And then it has a sort of snap lock, like an, like you know how a PL, you turn it to lock it. It has a mount like the, that. The, the, the twist is on the mount, not yes. the glass. Thank you, yes. Um, uh, and I'm yes. drawing a blank. But um, okay. I'll get that for next week. Um, mm. Speaking of next week, we've still got a bit more gear to go, but yep. we should flag. We've got some really good interviews coming up next week and the week after and stuff. Um, next week, I actually hope uh, to be talking to Noah, who wrote <clears throat> the uh, Red Guide book. You know, the, there's a, Yeah. And I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, when I bought this book, because we tend to buy this stuff, we I don't get freebies sent in, because I think there's a certain onerous thing with freebies that yep. people feel. I, I don't know if you've However, done this, Chase. No, no, I didn't. I paid for it. <laughs> no, no. Um, but however, send in freebies, yeah. yeah. No, but my thing is, seriously, I have listened to podcasts where people go uh, on about something. Yep. They go, this is really great. And I go, really? So yep. I literally bought it on the basis of their recommendation. And about a month later, they say, oh, no, I don't, I don't like it. And I'm like, well, why did you recommend it? And then I realized, oh, of course, somebody sent them a freebie and they were just doing the old yeah. plug on air to say thanks. Yeah. Um, and I just, I won't do it. But I, so I bought this book. I didn't know Noah when I bought it. I separately ran across Noah, completely nothing to do with Red Camera, Nothing to do with, and I was started working with Noah, and then I one day went, "Hey, Noah, you, right. you're the guy that wrote the Red Book." He was yeah. like, "Yep." Yeah. And it's like, "Well, we've got to get you on the show," and that was right before Christmas. We haven't yeah, done cool. it, but um, so I say this, not being mean to Noah, who I now acknowledge is a really great guy, but I was like, oh, "This book's gonna be really out of date, and it's just not gonna be in that depth, <laughs> and I should just buy it to look at it." But I fully opened the book, expecting to discount. As oh god, this is so yeah. lightweight and the red one is a digital the digital camera. Well, the idiot guide to is. yeah, the odd guide to red, and it's not, it's not, it's really, really yeah, red for dummies, red for dummies, and it, not only that, it actually has a well, I'll go to the when we talk about the next week, but it's a good book, so um, I'll Excellent. cover that next week. And yeah, I might sort of you've got an interview. interview. I've got a few coming up. I'm hopefully, planning to speak to Shane, Shane Hurlbut, uh who's a fantastic DP. He's uh, shot Terminator Four, and he's also now obviously on the net. Uh, quite a deal getting involved heavily in uh, a lot of work involving uh, Canon 5D and 7D and mixing it with a whole bunch of other cameras and mixing it with 35 and stuff. So he's uh, really interesting someone who's someone obviously who's shot Terminator 4 and has come from that background yet is uh, obviously you know just fallen in love with with that side of things. It's scary but uh, so it should be a great chat. Um, plus, yeah, we'll get back into the into the swing of the interviews. Now we're in the new year, and uh, and I'm not embedded in stupid schedule, freaking client, freaking commercials. But we have one more uh, gear thing we wanted to go through. Yeah, which, yeah. Um, I thought this was interesting. Uh, and this is a, I'm I'm totally uh, being honest, entirely pinched this from the gear section up the back of the American Cinematographer, which is um, of course I thought it was really cool. 
Uh, I mean, there's a lot of red bags around, and red do their big who pelican. Makes this, one? this is by Petrol Bags, who I have heard of before, but I haven't actually hands on. So I haven't really hands on with this, but it's certainly worth a look, it's particularly for the money. Uh, it's like 379 bucks. Now, this is a softer case. It's one of those padded softer cases, uh, like the zip sort of style kind of. It looks pretty innocuous. You know, you don't look like you're walking through an airport like an Air Pelican case or a Halliburton case. It looks like you're either going to, you know, bomb the, bomb the joint or, you know, you've got something worth nicking. Uh, it really, to be apart from a bit of red stitching, there's nothing on there really to, looks anything much more than you know the average kind of some bloke going a t- going to a convention with his you know with his um, overhead projector or whatever. So it's uh, compartmentalized, padded. It's all red on the inside. It's got like a top sort of swing away layer on, or, or you lift out sort of top section for all your accessories and rods and uh, and LCDs, and then a big, uh, quite a deep empty section for the body, um, viewfinders and brackets and uh, battery cages and things. And it's wheeled. Has a fold away extension cable, a fold away um, extension handle rather. Um, yeah, and, and it's three, for 379 bucks. I mean, you can go in and spend that on much on just crappy luggage that just has nothing to do with camera gear. I, I think it's um, clever, this, you know, and removable upper tray for all your little bits and pieces and um, a little separate sleeve to put the steel rods in. Um, yeah, it's impressive. So that is the uh, PRB15. It's actually on, on, on B&H. I'll put the links in the show notes, but petrolbags.com, petrol spelt the way, you know, you, we spell yeah, it spell here it. in America, not gas. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's pretty simple. That's pretty much the red, the uh, gear section for today. So just to wind up, uh, we occasionally, or we try to each time, but we always forget sometimes, uh, to do a shout-out Twitter to somebody who listens to the show. Um, I have a Twitter follower for people to check out, who, somebody who listens to the show, because they posted that the theme music we use for this show is, in fact, on the behind-the-scene videos for the show Caprica, the uh, Battlestar Galactica. They right. pointed out that the Red Cedar theme tune is that. So every time they have one of these behind-the-scenes of Caprica, they expect to hear our voices come through. Um, now, that's, that's William Mayer, but his actual Twitter account is uh, robotica.org. So R-O-B-O-T-I-K-A underscore org. Now, he only has 63 followers right now, but he's a, he's a good chap. And you check out his website, um, which is the same thing, robotica.org. He has his uh, VFX showreel. He's the director, does um, stuff in film, TV and stuff. So I don't know him sort of intimately or something. He's not like a, a personal sure. friend other than uh, a very good person to know online. And um, check Excellent. him out. We'll see if we can get 63 followers up by next week. Excellent. Actually, and my, my Twitter person, I just, just decided, uh, is, is uh, Letters Home, uh, at Letters Home. That's Paul Schneider. He's a director in, uh, in the States, in Chicago. Um, we've been Twittering a lot because he's uh, obviously involved in film, does TV, TVCs like myself, although much better. And he um, also very much into the uh, DSLRs because he's done a lot of, sort of stills-based work. Um, he actually directed that. Uh, Mike, you know, you know, Paul Schneider. He directed mm-hmm. the um, that fabulous commercial with the Ute driving through the streets that had fifty-story stack of rubbish on the top of it, swinging and swaying. In fact, in fact I think I did a FX Guide. Uh, well, you TV did on the FX Guide TV. Hey, and it. another thing I should just flag out: if you like this show on FX Guide TV this week, we have a, re- a section where I go through looking at the uh, ND filters. Yeah, that was cool. Actually, I was very happy to see that. So we go through. 
comparing what the ND filters are like if you stack them up versus actually buying variable NDs. And there's two <coughs> makers of variable NDs, and we put them side by side and just have a look at them. It's very happy, partly because I chose the one that was the good one. The and good one. <laughs> John also does a run through on uh, loading red files on uh, Flame and Smoke. Fantastic. If you like that kind of stuff, you'll really love FXPHD. Um, FXPHD, obviously a sponsor of this show. And uh, that mm. uh, is over at fxphd.com, and that's the kind of stuff we tend to do over there. Um, Jace, people can find you on the Twitters. Yeah, Oz, I am Wingrove, and also um, uh, com. And I'm obviously over at fxguy at fxphd.com, and uh, I'm Mike Seymour on Twitter. Uh, also, I just want to flag out that uh, there's a few other podcasts that we do. Yeah. Uh, we do the VFX show, which is now um, an FX Guide production. We'll be moving over to the main site soon. And uh, this week's show was on a review of Lord of the Rings, uh, looking back at uh, a decade of Massive. So that was uh, that's available from vfxshow.com and uh, also will soon be on fxguide.com. And then uh, there's a series of three parts on looking at the film Avatar from a very, very technical point of view over at FX Guide and our FX podcasts, which uh, talk to Weta, ILM, Framestore, and the guys at Pixar. That who does get pretty serious, that one. That is That's good. I mean, the, the purpose of that podcast, the FX podcast, is to be hardcore visual effects to a obviously a fairly selected group of people that are in the industry and doing that kind of stuff. But we really wanted to go beyond um, what you might call the sort of uh, happy, cheery um, stuff and get drilled down. In fact, I just... <laughs> you're laughing. Because well, the other stuff isn't cheery. <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean? Like, you can have, like, uh, a quite lightweight discussion about a mm. film, which is great. I mean, we had a fairly lightweight discussion today with um, Drew just saying uh, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations on... Um, and that's great. I, there's a place for that. I'm just saying that there's also needs, I think, uh, a place to get really in-depth and really technical... Um, we'll be doing a bit more of that here on the uh, Red Centre podcast because as the um, MX is released and we start looking, uh, in fact, we might even might even do this next week, um, look mm. at the differences between Red Colour, Red Space, Rec 709 and just have another uh, in-depth look at what Colour Space actually means and what the changes are with the new um, Red Colour. If you're interested in that or if you'd just like to drop us any uh, queries or suggestions for shows, please uh, email us at... Uh, red, red at, at fx, uh, red at fxguide.com. Oh, mental blank. Christ, red at fxguide.com. <laughs> and if you have any particularly good recipes for rum, we'd also welcome those. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with us, and thank you, Jason. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us red at fxguide.com. Copyright 2010, FX Guide, LLC.